This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. I remember sitting here holding my breath that when he came out, it was truly Hendrick Motorsports because there were so many so people reporting reported. so many different things. And you're like, oh, God. I, and, and I wrote it in a way that And was, that's funny. I'm sitting here holding my breath going, gosh, all these people out there just know what we're about to talk about. <laughs> no. And <laughs> welcome to Kelly Earnhardt Miller's Fast Lane Family presented by Wella Professionals. Salon care products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance you can see, touch, and sense. Welcome to Fast Lane Family. I can't believe today is our final show of the year, Amanda. Gosh. I, the year's flown by. It has. <laughs> so enjoy this with all your might because it is the last one that you're going to have for the for the rest of this year and until next season. Today, I'm very excited to have Associated Press writer Jennifer Fryer with us, one of the most informed people in the NASCAR garage. So we're going to talk about... Come on now, don't give me that look. We're going to talk about a lot I of like different to be stuff. informed. <laughs> We're just going to, you know, talk about the year and get some perspective from her and, and what it's like to do her job in the sport and that kind of thing. So excited about that. And then stay tuned for our well professionals are going to share a cool trick to complete a full-looking ponytail. Once again, one of those things that I can't, I, I don't know that I can handle. Does that happen while I'm still here? It can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we break and do it yeah. afterwards. It just yeah. depends. So, yes, it can happen while you're here. <laughs> and, and uh. If they could also do, if, since it's a ponytail thing, if they could also do the how to use the flat iron to curl your hair. I'm not good at that either. I, I make serious bends. So my, do I. It, look, and yeah. it, 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 yeah. it looks like You can folded. tell every corner yeah. that I yeah. hit. Yeah. It's like when you take a napkin and you fan it. Uh-huh. That's kind of how mine looks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I don't even try to do it, with, but it's like all the rage. I know. And it, it looks like I've bent my hair. It does. Yeah. It does. And my 15-year-old, like you have an 11-year-old uh-huh. daughter, so she's probably into this too with all the little curling tricks and irons and all those kind of things. And I'm like, Carson, can you help me fix my hair? I ain't got time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ain't got time. They don't have any time for yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, here t- we are. Today I straight t- hair. today I asked if I needed to curl my hair, and she didn't even look up from her phone. Like I didn't even get the courtesy like glance to sit to to placate me and say no, you look fine. It just she didn't even ever look up. And does she get very upset when you ask the same? When she asks the same and you oh, don't yeah. look? Oh yeah, you, you never Mama, you listen. never look. You never listen. Yeah, you never listen. I, <laughs> I told my kids the other day I was going to set up a um, camera in the kitchen just to uh-huh. catch the. You know, the sass and the tone yeah. and all that kind of stuff because they, oh, I mean, they never hear it. Yeah. I'm like, and they, I repeat and they think it. you're crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I repeat it. I'm like, this is what you sounded like. And they're like, no, I didn't, Mom. I'm like, yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yes. Well, we've got a lot to, sh- we got a lot in common there. <laughs> All right. So let's start with way back and just talk about what got you started in journalism and then mm-hmm. kind of leading into uh, NASCAR. So I'm from New Jersey and I, I actually grew up a baseball fan. Well, you know, mo- just stick and ball sports, I guess I grew up and I like to write and I, and I like to read the newspaper. And so I really always wanted to do that. I don't ever really remember a time that that's not what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be like, the beat writer for the New York Yankees or something like that. And my path took me to West. I went to West Virginia university, which was, it it was nice because it was far enough away. So New Jersey to West Virginia, how that happened. Well, (laughs) believe it or not, uh, West Virginia university is like, you've got like your X amount of people that are from West Virginia that go there. And then the next highest state population is New Jersey. You'd be so surprised at how many people. And I, I really enjoyed it because it was far enough that I couldn't go home very often, but close enough that I could go home if I wanted to. So while I was there, I got a, one of my journalism professors one day was like, 
the Associated Press is looking for students who can help them. And so I, I, I always tell people that I must have been the first person who called, like, because there was no cell phones or, you know, anything like that. It was just a phone number, like, on the blackboard, not even the whiteboard, the blackboard. And I called and I, like, was hired, like, later that, that was it. That was literally all it took. And I did just some freelance work for them. It wasn't really writing. It was quote getting. It was going where they needed somebody to tell them what happened. And I made $25 an assignment. But at a lot of those places, you there was also a meal, which is like the stereotypical. <laughs> for it, it, your it, typical college, it's, great college But it's benefit. also your stereotypical, like, <laughs> journalist thing. Well, I was like, oh, well, we got free food. But when you are in college and like... There's free food. Yeah, and it's and like, this is where you're getting your green beans and your vegetables for the whole week. Like, so it was the greatest job. And I did it for two and a half years. And they said to me, um, they had a position in their office in West Virginia that was coming open and I wasn't graduated yet. And they worked it out with my school because they had to fill it. It was an eight week position. It was just a temporary position. They worked it out and I got credit for it to help me graduate and from there I was transferred to New Orleans for one year and from there I was transferred to Alabama and it was in Alabama that like I always knew I wanted to be big and I wanted to be important and I just didn't want to be just a, a little nobody but I didn't really know how to do that and I didn't know how to do that in my company and I kind of looked around and everybody wanted to be the baseball writers and everybody wanted to be the football writers. But now here I am in Alabama and we have Talladega. And I was like, it doesn't look like that many people want to be the racing writers. So I, I, I tried it. The first time I ever went was it, it had been rained out. So someone gave us tickets and it was for when they ran it on, I guess it was Mother's Day. And I don't know if you remember this. And I think Mark Martin won the only caution free race ever. And we camped in a tent. And it was <laughs> and like, ha- well, if it rained, that was bad. Yeah. It, it hadn't rained. It was the okay. rescheduled. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was rescheduled. Okay, and okay. and I just was like, I, w- I had to be like 23, 24 years old. I don't even know. And I and this is my first race I'd ever been to. And I'm camping in a tent. <laughs> and we've, and we, you know, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And so I started kind of covering Talladega. And then I moved to Charlotte in 2000. And as you know, in 2001 is when the sport, the, the way that the sport was covered really just changed. Mm-hmm. And so even though I was here in Charlotte covering the Panthers and the Hornets, things were just happening so quickly with NASCAR that I, I just was doing more and more and more NASCAR. And it just grew to when I was doing too much and they, they took the other stuff away from me. And that was okay with you? you yeah, to you know, it's interesting. I, I like it and I like having less to do to a degree but there's a real sense of community that you get when you cover the Panthers or you cover the like the Hornets you go to the arena for your game and where you check in you know this you know everybody uses the same security companies for example so and the company's like show pros so you know all the guards Mm -hmm. and you know this you know the lady who runs this concession stand and you know you you see the same people over and over and when you stop doing that and and then you like go uptown three years later and you're like yeah I'm gonna go here and you don't know anybody anymore (laughs) and and so I I do miss the sense of community but as you know that racing in itself is a community even though we can't stand each other a lot of the times (laughs) like so all right we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about the fact that we can't stand each other um I think it, it just might be your profession yeah. <laughs> some others in yeah. today's times we'll get there so you talk about the things changing with my dad's death yeah um, in the sport and, and you were kind of thrust into yeah. reporting on that yep 
uh, which I remember, you know, and, and this, it's, this, this is a good time to even kind of talk about this, this difference of, of the media versus what you're trying to cover because, you know, the, the, obviously the Sunday night, I can remember being at my grandmother's and we're looking out the window and there's, there's media there. Yep. And we're like, are you kidding yep. me? You know? It's, yeah. So from your perspective, I mean, that's my perspective. Are you kidding yeah. me? You know, yeah. this just happened to us and you're what, you know, talk about that for you guys and, and what you're accomplishing and what you're up against and what you're trying to get out there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so not just in, you know, in that situation, yeah. obviously, but in the situation of death and, and I, I don't want this to sound flippant, but um, I said this in August at the IndyCar race because there was a fatality in IndyCar this year. I said, nobody covers more death than motorsports riders, except for people who cover executions, you know, and they know at least that they're what they're walking in to see. And so from from that aspect, it's the worst. I, I have to imagine fatalities, whether you cover politics or you know that it's it's the worst it it just always is but it's particularly bad in motorsports because everybody grieves and everybody handles it differently and some people handle it very pragmatically and it's we know what we signed up for and some people handle it like leave me alone I don't want to talk about this and it's our message to as delicately as possible just say what's happening what's happening and why and what it means and and what it leads to in the in the case of um your father's death in 2001 and in the case of dan weldon's death in 2011 they both affected their sport in the same way that that change had to happen and 2001 you know there's some things i remember like the pilgrimage that the fans made and i remember i had this like crappy jeep cherokee or something (laughs) and i was like it's like your home base outside the dei shop for like 40 hours you know and it's just and and you you're watching this and it's just this unbelievable emotion and and expression and and grieving that's going on and you realize how much how much your dad touched people and the same thing with dan weldon and the difference between the two was I think it was a harder time, more hardened time in 2001. There, there'd been a string of fatalities and, yeah. and people were, you know, it just happened. And then, and then it happened to Dale and then it was like, whoa, this isn't supposed to happen. Well, then there'd been a stretch prior to Weldon where there hadn't been a high profile one and people weren't hardened by it anymore. And they, and they grieved and they grieved, they wanted to grieve privately and it was just it was in many ways on a similar level to 2001 but with media the cha- the way that media has changed like all of a sudden you had the today show with ask the experts which one of them was star jones and she's sitting there in a director chair talking about safety in indycar and you're looking at your tv and you're like what the like, really like how can how am i watching this and so you're that's what but that's what you're up against and you have to figure out a way to tell this story and to pry into people who don't want to talk because they're grieving but to do it responsibly and accurately and fairly in the face of all this other noise on this national level and you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a hard, unpleasant, nobody, nobody wants it yeah. experience. Yeah. So, so what's your take on, from a media perspective, because, and not this, because as a, you know, 
social media intake and and I don't really get to watch TV and watch the news that much and I read everything through either you know some email list of news stories that come mm-hmm. or social mm-hmm. media headlines yep. and and how we're taking that in and from from your perspective you know what what do you do to get the news first or be the most accurate or you know what what's the strategy it's, and, it's and advantages and we don't have um ap doesn't have that luxury like you cannot be wrong ever yeah you just can't because it's it's, it's just credibility yeah i mean <laughs> and so how do the other people get yeah. away with it right <laughs> well you, what, you where is their ethics and, like, or you wonder it? where where their source where, yeah, where their yeah. where are their rules yeah, yeah you know like i'll tell you um when dale jr signed with hendrick motorsports in 2008 and you remember people were writing as fact that he and Martin Truex were starting their own team, you know, and and you're like, I don't think that's what's happening. Like, but, but the only way I could report what was happening is if Dale had like, there's a list of five people that would have been met my standards, my company's standards. And so sometimes you just get beat because you know, and I remember they don't have any standards, but I I remember sitting here, I remember sitting here, holding my breath that when he came out it was truly Hendrick Motorsports because you're like there were so many so people reporting so many different things and you're like oh god I s- and, and I wrote it in a way that and was- that's funny I'm sitting here holding my breath going gosh all these people out there just know what we're about to talk about <laughs> no and, but, I mean well, you felt like you knew you and 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 I remember I wrote it I said with all signs it pointing towards Hendrick Motorsports. I left myself some wiggle room, but you're like, what if he walks out in like a chance to shirt? Like, <laughs> so it, it just, it, I just can't ever be wrong. Yeah. And there, and I've got other colleagues who, who work in the industry with me who cannot ever be wrong. The problem with social media and Twitter and Facebook is that everybody now has an outlet. And when when, everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert. <laughs> and, you know, I don't ever tweet. I will never, ever tweet speculation on injuries and things like that. And I remember the night um, two or two years ago when Kevin Moore was killed or one year ago when Kevin Moore Jr. was killed. And I remember sitting there. I was the first night of my beach vacation and you're you're watching Twitter and you're just you're just watching it and you're like and, and you feel terrible and you're not participating and you're not tweeting anything. And then finally at four o'clock in the morning or whenever, when they finally confirmed it, that he had died and I tweeted it and you get all these like jerks who were like about time you woke up like four hours late on that news and it's like no i i couldn't report that news until it, it was, was fact from it, source, yeah, from until it was source. fact and until it met our sourcing standards so you know you see stuff all the time like somebody reported last week this and this may seem small but brad kozlowski's truck team is doing this in texas and and then it didn't it, it didn't happen and you're like but you reported that. So how do you get away with that? Yeah. You know, don't, aren't people going to wonder if you're right. truthful now, if, if they can believe what you read and you, you might as well not even be in the job. If people are wondering if, you know, like, um, Eddie, that's a really hard thing for people. I think just the general public to decipher. Yeah, I it mean, is. It is hard. I remember Eddie Wood came up to me. They don't or, even know if they're reporting anything wrong and they probably, you know, maybe 
50 percent of the people that read that they don't even ever follow yep. up to even know if it really yep. happened if it or happened if it or not wrong. yeah yeah and yeah. then you'd like to think that people aren't going to continue to read yeah but you know the way that that link sharing goes on and you just read something but eddie wood came up to me earlier this year nate ryan and i had interviewed roger penske before the all-star race and roger just sort of offhandedly says that he'd like to run ryan blaney full time with the wood brothers th this coming year and Nate and I both wrote it, and Eddie Wood comes up to me the next week, and he said, I saw that on J-Ski, and I said, oh, we might be running full-time. And then it, I clicked it, and I said, well, Nate and Jenna wrote this. This has to be true. And, it, you know, that's the difference. Like, yeah. a team owner can go to J-Ski and not even really know if it's true or not until they see who wrote it. And then and then it's just you got to hope your reputation is strong enough that they're yeah. like, well, that must be true. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we kind of have those challenges, too. Just something popped up this morning. Mike Davis calls me, and he's like, uh, uh, I just got this text update. And I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, the first thing I'm like, something bad's happened. And he's like, uh, Tavo Helmond of F1, who's <laughs> going to buy some F1 team. And see, I don't have all my facts straight. And says that, you know, Dylan Hart Jr. is going to be the driver. <laughs> okay, far-fetched. And he's like, um, do you know anything about this? I'm like, no, I don't know anything about this. But just the simple fact that someone can say, I'd like to have Dylan Hart Jr. Yeah. as the driver or yeah. whatever, and how it gets, yep. you know, and, reported and, and, and then written. All of a sudden, and then all of a sudden. He's going to Formula 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to drive a Mercedes. And I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, he did go to Germany once. So, yes, he did. <laughs> so, yes, so there right. Is yeah, that link. yeah, right. There is that. You might, we might have passed. <laughs> or a, a space or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you are current. You're you were promoted in 2006 to the National Sports Writer and yeah, to primary the, to, focus oh, yeah. of auto racing. Auto, auto racing. racing. Yep. Auto so racing. you talk about that because you cover Indy and NASCAR. And I do and just what a tiny a, what bit else? of sports cars. Okay. Yeah. Sports cars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so most people probably say you're just the NASCAR reporter. They do. Does that bother you? No. Um. <laughs> because I do. It's I. I probably 70 percent do NASCAR, and I, I would love to do more IndyCar, and I'll tell you why. First of all, the, the drivers are great. They're great to cover. But second of all, it's short days in really good cities. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right? You know, yeah. It's none of this like 15 hours at the track and a window. And your hotel's one hour away yeah, or two oh, hours away. Oh, awful. <laughs> like, and you're paying 3.50 a night for like this disgusting room. IndyCar is very, very fun to cover. It's very, very nice. Um, but, you know, they just, they don't pull the attention that NASCAR does. So when you have to pick and there's two races head to head, I always used to cover the Long Beach Grand Prix, which is like one of the best trips of the year. And with the change in the schedule this year with Bristol, this first Bristol, they were head to head. And you kind of have to make a decision. You're like, well, which race are more people going to actually pay attention to? So I went to Bristol and sat in the rain <laughs> and, and was bitter all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in Long Beach, California. So I noticed some themes in reading some articles about you online. And uh -oh. I, won't, I won't believe everything that I read. But you just mentioned it yourself in terms of kind of the drivers of NASCAR. You know, with what you're willing to share in terms of kind of the grumpy, you know, what what is it that you encounter and what is it that you wish you could see differently? You know, how can they look at it differently to see from yeah. your perspective? So for the most part, there's not a ton of problems. Um, <laughs> you know, we used to do... Just those few problems. Are, just, it's just that 80-20 rule. Yeah, <laughs> yes. The, um, I, co I cover the Summer Olympics as well. And the Summer Olympics, the, all Olympics, they have this... The, the way that it is set up is if you would like to talk to an athlete, aside from what you set up one-on-one -on -one or, or something like that, the, they exit their competition 
area, whatever it is, whether it's gymnastics, they, they have a, they have a route that they are forced tunneled to go through, tunneled yep. through and it's barriers are set up all through it. And it's like a snake and they have to walk through it and you are positioned based on whether your um your language things like that and there's interpreters in the different spots and they are forced to walk through it and they can stop or they cannot stop and sometimes they stop and a lot of times they don't and that's all i ever care about is that i had was given the opportunity to say hey you know what's up and if they kept walking he declined he declined comment and we don't really have that anymore we don't have that so much in NASCAR. The top 12 went away. Driver availability is kind of limited. Only like X amount of guys want to do it and come into the media center. They don't go to the bullpen after their qualifying lap. And sometimes, and I don't want to just to make it seem like it's going to be pick on Kevin Harvick day, but I think that most of my examples of how it should work better would involve either Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch. And, you know, when Kevin back when he was with RCR and RCR uh, Richard had this he, he tends to think just swapping crews will fix things and it'll be late in the season and I remember it was at Talladega once and he swapped you know Kevin's crew and you'd like the driver to say something but to, you got to chase him you got to walk fast he you know run he, into people he, get hit by yeah, people whatever. he won't look up he pretends he doesn't see you and then ultimately you're just writing didn't say anything or just you know and I and I and I struggle with that and I get annoyed by it because it's like I don't really care that your crew was swapped like it's just my job to like report it and say what you thought about it like at the end of the day I, you think I really care that much like I'm just it's I'm just doing my job and the, another example I'll give is when Kyle Bush was caught speeding in that Lexus it was a big deal and and he was speeding in i don't remember church or school zone or something and and it was excessive speed but at the time nascar had this top 12 rule and the top 12 drivers had to do a media availability so he was forced to go into the media center and answer questions about that in the current system he would never have had, you know, he, he could just keep walking and ignore everybody and never stop and never make a comment. And I just don't, you know, I, I believe in professionalism. I believe in, in a sense of responsibility. I, I believe that Kevin Harvick is the reigning champion when he runs out of gas leading at New Hampshire in a race we all thought he had to win. As the reigning champion, he probably has a sense of professionalism to answer a question or two. I get that he's angry. I get that he is pissed and what is going to come out of his mouth is probably not going to be the cleanest, but but it's all how you handle it. And I, I tweeted about your brother after Talladega because they're, those kind of, I don't want to say performances, but those kind of stepping up those kind of stepping up and handling the situation are now rare and not the norm and and i i just think that's sad now in other sports do you feel because you know i can see a lot of arguments about the accessibility and this and you know why they don't have they don't get it yeah like they don't get it harvick and kyle bush if they if they were football players so that that's what i was going to get you to explain if they were football players three days a week the locker room is open for one hour or 55 minutes or something like that, three days a week. If they were football players, there would, and, and remember, it would be a whole different scale because you'd have all of the ESPN cameras and all of the network cameras would be, those cameras, there would be a crowd camped at their locker 
for an hour each of those three days until those guys finally came and talked. I mean, you don't get to not talk in the NFL. You have to go out of your way to not talk because they will just stand there and, and wait for you. Gotcha. And, you know, they there are many ways that the auto racing driver has got it so easy in terms of media and, and in terms of coverage. And some of, some of it is, you know, we all live together and we all travel together and we all see each other and we all have to do this. And, and we joked about this the Tuesday after Talladega when Kevin had, um, had his issue and, and caused that wreck that altered a lot of things, whether you, whether you want to say he did it on purpose or not, that wreck altered a lot of things. And we're, there's a bunch of media sitting around and we're talking about it. And, and we talked about how, well, what did you write? And what did you write? And how hard were you on him? And how, and it was like, you have to be careful almost on how much you call someone out because you can't risk Kevin Harvick not right. talking to you I've for the rest of, before, for right. the rest of the chase. Right. What are you going to do if right. Kevin Harvick's not <laughs> like, how are you going to cover the championship? If the, if the reigning champion, yeah. just Cause you've had that scenario. There was a driver that didn't talk to you for, for one year. year. <laughs> he didn't talk to me for one year. It was Tony Stewart. And it was after he punched the photographer in Indianapolis. <sighs> I was like total wrong place, wrong time. I was down there to see Dale Jarrett and because Dale Jarrett had led a lot of laps and I went down early from the media center, which is very far from the garage. And I'm, there's nobody in the garage yet. The cars are all still coming out. And Tony just punches this guy. I was like, I wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> and I wrote it and he didn't talk to me for a year. And then at Indy the next year, I gave him an anniversary card and I put McDonald's gift certificates in it. <laughs> and I mean, Tony and I have been up and down and Tony's sensitive and Tony, you know, Jeff Gordon doesn't get upset about what's written about him. Tony Stewart gets upset about who said it, why they say it, you, you know, I, that's not whether it's true or not. You know, it could be absolutely true, but he didn't like who said it where some guys just don't handle it well. And Tony's not, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't handle things like that well. And, but he has, he and I have not had a fight since 2011. <laughs> oh, so, gosh. I know. We're, we're coming up on an anniversary. Oh, I It'll know. Five it, years here soon. I know. It's a really big deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe you can step up your game from McDonald's yeah. to something else. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. No. Oh, gosh. That's all he gets. Gosh, that's so interesting to me. Uh, it's got to be so hard. I'm just trying to think. I, because I would, my personality, everybody thinks I'm kind of a bulldog, but I would be sort of intimidated by yeah, that. Where yeah. I wouldn't want to I was thinking about it last it night, and, unrelated to sitting down with you, but I was thinking like, oh, my God, there's only two weeks left in the season. Like, what are you going to do for, you know, how are you going to decompress this year? And I was wondering to myself who the biggest bust of the year was. And immediately I said, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson's the biggest bust of the year. He should have won races. He should have been in the chase. And it's like, I wonder why no one has written that. Like, <laughs> what, like, are, like, why has nobody just called him out? He probably shouldn't have gone to Eldora till five o'clock in the morning before New Hampshire. Uh, you know, and you know, there's there's all these things that you can point to, and some of it is just a learning and and growing, as you know. Like, you know, they have to. He's he's young and and he's new to this, and but I was thinking like. We live in this sport, we cover this sport where we kind of tiptoe around certain things. And I don't know why, because no other sport handles it that way. Yeah. Uh, well, I do know why. It's because we have to see these guys every week. <laughs> but so do all those other reporters in the other sports, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's a little bit more nameless and yeah, faceless, yeah. you know. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think there's just that accessibility of 
when, and maybe it's not accessibility, but it is, there's, there's something about how connected people yep. are to our yep. drivers yep. and, and that connection gets so personal and, and, yep. you know, people get defensive and they're only, I mean, they're just oh, so, yeah, they do. you know, loyal one way or the other. And you don't see that. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, even though, you know, football is the number one sport. Yeah, I mean, we don't get passionate about whether they were speeding in the school zone or whatever. Correct, correct, you know? yeah. So I mean, look, I mean, Marshawn Lynch is a jerk <laughs> every week, but nobody really cares, Yeah, you know. And, yeah. and, and to a degree, the fans, you know, and Harvick's not a jerk by any stretch. I do not want it portrayed like that. Harvick is who he is, and, and he's tough, and he's, and he's ornery. But, uh, you know, fans don't get it they're like well, what did you want him to say after new hampshire right. you know you should leave him alone why why do you why do you why do you think you're entitled to a comment because he ran out of gas leading that like That's he should say something like, right right and they're like you're not entitled you should just mind your own business and people just don't get yeah. what what our responsibility is yeah. Yeah. yeah you're not writing for you know the Ladies Us Home Journal or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, Kurt, Kurt Bush thinks that we're all like we're all People Magazine, but I try not to be. I try not to be like, oh look, Danica Instagrammed a new yoga post. Let me write an article. There are people who are have yes, gone that there route. There are, yes, there are, yeah. yes, there are. Yeah, that seemed to be the headlines for Dale for quite some time. Oh look, Dale got a new dog. You know, yep. it's like really. Yep. This is newsworthy. Well, remember, remember <laughs> when he won first Talladega and Amy wasn't there. And it just, it became its own story on how about much why he, she wasn't but, there and, and how, how much, much he missed her. her. <laughs> like, and how much he missed her. And for days, people were writing about that. And you're like, oh, my God, is this journalism? Like, At its and finest. It's, and it was a sweet story, how much he missed her. But it was like, it had like a one-day life. Right, you know? right. That, or something that he could have said on his Twitter and been left, that could have been enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> could yeah. have been enough. Too funny. Let's get some 2015 NASCAR season views. So, now that Dell's out of the chase... My pick is Jeff Gordon, uh-huh. just for uh-huh. obvious reasons. Yep. Sentimental, been doing this forever. Just would love to see that good storybook ending. What's your thought on his year and, and his shots for Well, Homestead? I said from the, not the beginning, I said from Talladega on, well, in that one-week period between Talladega and Martinsville, I said if he can win Martinsville, because Denny was knocked out of yeah, t- at Talladega, already, right. and Denny is excellent at Homestead. Mm-hmm. And I said... If Denny's out of the, the the final four, it's wide open now. I said if Jeff can win Martins because Jeff is excellent at Homestead. People forget how yeah. good that Jeff is at Homestead. I don't think about Homestead. that either. He won it two years ago and should have won it last year, but had a late pit or something like that. I, I just said if he can ma- win Martinsville and make it to that final four, he's going to win this whole thing. And I, I tend to hope for too much of the storybook thing. Yeah, and so. <laughs> I just think it's going to build into this sentimental thing, and I fear that we're all going to be let down. And so you you want it so much for Jeff, and you yeah. want it so much for NASCAR, and you want it because everybody will feel good on Sunday. And, I you know, want it so his kids can experience yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I want it. I struggled last year after Phoenix. He was eliminated after Phoenix, and I wrote my column on the plane home. And I remember I was, like, almost crying a little bit because he'd won, I don't know, five races, six races, and people were – People were arguing on Twitter. They were like, well, he didn't do what he had to do to make the, the final. Yes, he did. He was about to win Texas when he was crashed. So <laughs> perspective on that from the Chase perspective, because, you know, you're going in with 16 and I, I, leading down. What's your thoughts? I don't know what. Because you know the yeah. old system. I don't so. know. I don't know how to. F- I like the Chase system. I like the elimination system. 
I like the drama it creates. I like the way that these guys are racing each other. I, I, I really struggle with like Jeff won, Jeff and Brad last year won, I don't know, 11 races combined and three of them were in the chase and neither of them made the final. Yeah. And I struggled with that. Yeah. I struggled with the two, you know, with Harvick being the third best car of the top three cars last year. I struggled with two of the best guys for, for 29 weeks aren't in the final. Right. And I don't know how to fix that. I don't think that you can win Chicago and that gets you to Homestead. I don't right. think you can ride it for nine weeks, but I don't know if, if a victory should be weighted more. And I'm with you there because the whole Homestead going down to one race is kind of, I feel the same way about it. You know, you get crashed by a competitor. Well, you don't win the championship because you got crashed by a competitor. had nothing to do with. Correct. Your, I, and, 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 and everybody says for the stick and ball sports, like, you know, I, I, yeah, I make this argument. It's not. But it's, it's just not it's the not, same. It's not, but you also don't get – you might get – like the number eight seed may may occasionally knock the number one seed off in, in a head-to-head competition, but they're not going to head-to-head all the way through to the Super Bowl. Right. The eight seed's not just going right. to go on this roll. Right. Where they're so just that argument, beat I just don't like yeah, that argument. It's I not know. a great argument. And in, and in head-to-head, you know, last – We have too many other variables that, that happen in our sport. Correct. Versus – Correct. Yeah. And, you know, Joey's is unfortunate, but so avoidable, like so avoidable. And then you, you, you throw in last, uh, you throw in Texas, what happened to him there. And, and then he's in this deep hole. And I, I like Jeff Gordon's chances, especially yeah. with Kenseth out, Denny out. What about Kyle Busch? He's, he's yeah. got the opportunity to make it having that injury out for so long. You feel like that's all even up and square for him to be a championship driver? I do. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I, and it's a great comeback story for Kyle Busch. I, I tend to look at it like, for whatever reason, Joe Gibbs Racing always beats itself. And people will say, well, they won three championships. And I say, well, they kind of won in spite of themselves. You know, you won because Tony was Tony and he was superior. And you won because Bobby Labonte had this great year. I just, I don't. Like I, if you look back at it, it Kenseth lost despite winning a ton of chase races. He lost a head-to-head with Jimmy Johnson. Denny lost a head-to-head with Jimmy Johnson that he should have won, that he had won the week before the final. In this format, Denny lost last year with a bad pit call or a slow pit stop or whatever it was. I just I feel like Joe Gibbs Racing kind of defeats themselves. So the chase kind of brings out some of that, I guess. Yep, because they right? were the best. Right. But you looked at you look at like the Hendrick guys. A year ago in Talladega, three of them were eliminated in one race. It's like they were eating each other. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that's something that happens with this system. But, yeah. Yeah. You know. Good. Interesting. Let's talk about MWR closing and, mm-hmm. and kind of, I guess we could maybe a little bit of kind of the state of the sport and, and your thoughts there. Obviously, uh, you know, we run a race team here at Junior Motorsports and it is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extremely challenging. You know, MWR sort of, you know, their bed was made with the whole Richmond scandal yeah. kind of was probably the start of it um, yeah yeah they, they like to say that it's challenging it is challenging they they haven't recovered from yeah. from richmond two years ago is it was it only yeah. two years ago it's only two years ago 14, yeah 14. Um, it's just, well you know the the thing for that is just how important sponsorship is correct. we were just talking about it with our staff you know 80 percent of our revenues are sponsor yep. generated that can make and break you yep yep and i remember in that Richmond thing, how angry, well, first of all, Napa left. Yeah. But second of all, five hour was furious. They were furious about it. And 
and I, I kind of correlated it in a conversation earlier this week about Dollar General and if Dollar General's upset right now with Kenseth being, you know, and it's like... Now they put out a statement that they're not. Yeah. Which is good. You're very lucky. Yeah. But, you know, NASCAR kind of, they do, they do what they want and they, and they take the actions that they want and it's consequences be damned. And in the consequences of the MWR thing... It ultimately set in motion, and and don't get me wrong, it was self-inflicted, but it set in motion all these things that led to where they are right now. Napa leaving cost what, a hundred jobs to yeah. MWR. Yeah. Then then Brian Vickers blood clots. You know now all of a sudden Aaron's who is already like we didn't even want to be part of this whole Richmond thing and now we've got a sideline driver and it, just all these things have happened and, and once the sponsors start you know when you're left only with five hour and Clint mm -hmm. and Rob Kaufman's pumping all this money into it so so Rob has had the right idea for a long time and which is that the the model is not sustainable long like you and there's no value there's in the model no, that you're trying to sustain. And there's no value. All you're doing is throwing money at throwing money at throwing money to never really make any money. And Rob was fortunate in that he wasn't one so invested in it. It it was it's not his life, hope, and dream. You know, he's he's had a career, he's made his money, and he doesn't need to worry about alienating very important NASCAR people because he's got his money. He's still going to, you know, and this isn't what he, if he's, if he's out of this tomorrow, it's in, you know, Rick Hendrick doesn't want to be out of this tomorrow. Right. And Joe Gibbs doesn't want to be out of this tomorrow. So Rob was able to f push for and, and to get other owners to see like, we have rights and we, they like, if we don't bring cars, I get it. Somebody else will bring a car, but what does what the kind of car? Yeah. What is the product going to look <laughs> yeah, like? Right. And and once they all got on board with that, I mean, you can see that in the Xfinity series. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Twelve, fifteen. Yeah, cars. Of yeah, cars. Absolutely. You uh, you got guys in, and a lot of times it'll be like a Northeast race, like New Hampshire or or a West Coast race. And I'll look at the Xfinity field and I'll see somebody back in thirty eighth. I will never have heard of them before in my life. I'm like, who is that? Yeah. But it's just it's it's the state of the sport. Anybody can show up. And so I think that Rob, I you know his decision to move his investment to Chip Ganassi Racing was the was the death knell for MWR that and Aaron's and Napa and all these other things and Rob just said I'm not going to spend any more money you know I'm going to do it a different way but it also he's got all these owners on board that are finally going to make their their time and their effort and their energy and their sweat is going to have a value now and I think that that's very very important and yeah. it should be all the way through you know I it, it should be through all three series it, nothing I, I can't think of anything that's probably got the struggles that the truck series does and you look at somebody like Brad who keeps doing it yeah and you're like why like why Brad just stop doing it or or Kyle stop doing it like that's the biggest message you can send an NASCAR right to get them to change something is stop spending your money right but I think what you said like about Mr. Hendrick and Gibbs and I mean it's true for us it's it's what you know it's a legacy of yeah. what you do it's yeah. what you want to work yep you know you want it to work yep. you want to see it succeed and I mean ultimately for us every single decision comes down to those families and yep. you, you talked about with MWR and uh it's definitely it's a lot of people out of work it's yeah. a lot of people yeah. and it's it's never good when cars go away yeah. it's yeah. it's not good for anyone and it's not good for the 
it's not good for individuals and it's not good for the industry. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Talladega because you brought up the whole Harvick <laughs> scenario and, and NASCAR kind of just doing what they want to do when they do it. This green, white checkered rule that they implemented. Did you feel that that was good or bad? Uh, I didn't. And didn't you think they should have waited just a few more seconds to throw that yellow? <laughs> <laughs> I, this is what I thought. I didn't care about the green, white checkered rule, especially because all the drivers, they were like, yeah, we should only do it once. We should yeah. only do it once. Yeah. Well, what I don't understand, and I did ask Harvick this after Talladega, is how come you guys can start the race? And how come you guys can I know. Have, how can they go how can all you have laps a, but 10? How can you have a restart with 20 laps in and everything is fine, but then all of a sudden nobody can do it? And he's like, because we're idiots, you know? And, we, and, 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 you know, it's go time. But I, I feel like if this is the way it's going to be, and we all know that they can't do it, they, that the drivers can't restart it without a wreck, that they should not even have the green white checkered at all period we should just that whatever the, lap it ends on it ends it on. ends and <laughs> and what that will change because i actually have thought about this I it'll don't, change the way they do it yes yeah and and i don't think it like this is something i've actually thought about it was <laughs> like if you know that this race can end under yellow at any second then you can't sit in second place waiting to make your move on the last lap you have to rate you know yeah. you, you just, just have to do what you've done the whole race yep Absolutely. And I, I just, I felt like it was stupid. I thought the ending was stupid. I, I couldn't believe that championships were, were decided, decided that way. Yeah. And I just was, and I just said, screw it. Don't even do a green white checker. Yeah. And then it's we just, attempted, but we really didn't attempt because yeah. we didn't cross the line. And like. I didn't have an issue with that because if, I think if it had ended that way. I oh, think, oh yeah. I do too. Yeah. I think if it would have ended that way, it would have been terrible. It would have been terrible. But again, when you're, when you're trying yeah. to describe an attempt, and then you just yeah. said, well, so because we didn't cross the line or we didn't yeah. the green, you know, we didn't see the green, yeah. but we, we accelerated, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. where is it? No, you're right. So, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. And yeah. I just, it, the whole thing was stupid and for people to be eliminated from the chase that way. And I also think that it made me, it made me come to the realization that Talladega should not be an elimination race because there's too many variables. And so let's say that that, let's say that that was race one or two and race three was Kansas and that's the elimination race and Harvick has the same engine issue it's not as big of a deal because one there's only 19 cars on the lead lap anyway and two he doesn't have to stay there and cause an accident because if he gets there's not that many people right. that are going to pass him there's not that much at stake right. the variables of Talladega but, are too you, much don't you wonder why in the first attempt he clearly pulled over and cars went by and in the second attempt he didn't i mean i wonder <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> i wonder why he no he absolutely i don't think you know people people are really upset about matt kenseth that he didn't get out of the car and say i wrecked him and i was like he did i said you just had to listen for it you know he yeah he got out a little flippant and was like oh my tire must have blown i had the damage but he got to it now granted it didn't sound like yeah i wrecked him and i'll do it again it sounded it, what, what it came out as he's got the best car he's got two more chances some days you're the bat some days you're the ball you can't run people over and win championships he yeah, said it he, he just it. didn't right harvick what harvick ultimately said two days later was i did what i had to do yeah. Like I, I did what I had to do, which is, is, is the closest we'll get to intent is you ever will answer our question, you know, and, and, and he's right. He did what he had to do and there was no penalty for it. Right. 
Well, Matt Kenseth feels like he did what he had to do, too. And he got a hell of a penalty. <laughs> he did get he did. one. He did. He did. Well, that was the next thing, old Matt Kenseth's <laughs> suspension. A lot of inconsistency, mm-hmm. I think, in yep. those types of things. Which is the biggest crime. Yeah. That's the biggest crime yeah. that I feel like drivers should be screaming bloody murder about. Because I don't know, I don't know this to be fact because I've not talked to Matt Kenseth. I think if he knows that a two race suspension, he probably he probably have. doesn't do it yeah. that way. Yeah, he may do it. He may still do it, but it doesn't look the way yeah. it looked. Right. And and I have I, you just cannot make up. A he might have let off the gas and went on into the corner, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of really stuffing him in the wall. <laughs> or or he would, you know he had gotten to him once before in the yeah. race and he gave him a little pop and that was it. And maybe he does it then and it's racing for position. Now that we all know what's on the line, I think that everybody does it different. And that's the the, the problem I have, they but just made it up. But is that on the line for the next one? You just don't know. You yeah, know? correct. And right. they just made it up. And so my issue with that is that they just made a roll up. But the other thing is NASCAR benefited from that. And NASCAR let that feud simmered for three, two, two races, three weeks. And nobody ever bothered. Like, it was great. It was great for NASCAR. This is what everybody's talking about, this feud. And nobody had an issue until Matt wrecked Joey. And then all of a sudden, it went from like, oh, this cute little feud that's getting all this conversation to a capital murder case. Right, right. And I feel from top to bottom that I feel Joe Gibbs could have at any time calmed Matt down or, you know, dating all the way back to the Joey and Denny feud from two years ago. They could have handled this Joey situation. Anyone at Penske Racing, Roger Penske included, could have told Joey, hey, maybe you should be a little more humble. You know, which yeah. which Dale Jr.'s, Dale Jr.'s quote, interview after Martinsville, he was like, to be arrogant about it is what really made everyone mad. Right. At any time, anybody could have given Joey some advice. To Hey, man, like, maybe just calm <laughs> yeah, this down. Like, yeah. uh, um... NASCAR at any time could have called them both in the hauler together. And I don't care if they just had them sit there and look at each other for 10 minutes and nobody said a word. When Matt walked out of that hauler, he would have saved his, his face would have been saved right. because it would have looked like NASCAR sat him down right. and said, look, you were eliminated last week. This has got to end. You cannot get involved in the championship race. NASCAR never got involved. Penske never got involved. Um, Joe Gibbs never got involved. The 20 team never got involved. When the first accident with Brad happened, nobody got on the radio and said, yeah, it looked like he, he broke apart. You know, they, yeah, he wrecked you because he's a moron is what they told him. So he's <laughs> redlined. When he gets back on the track, he's redlined. And this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that I think everyone was culpable in this. Yeah. Everyone was culpable. And the end result was this horrible penalty that nobody thought would was on the table and I just it's uh, I think it's bad luck yeah and it's a bad the message look. and yeah. then trying to come back from it like when you you know when this happens again what do you yeah. go to so it's quintessential and in the same yeah. race in the same race Danica I mean clearly was like yeah I'm after this guy but because you it know, didn't because her penalty yeah. was different because it didn't know. have the same stakes so one is quintessential NASCAR and one is not and we're going to decide which yeah. which way it yeah. goes on a case by case basis. Yeah. That's not fair. Is that what is that subjective? Is that what they which one's objective or subjective? That's which subjective. One is it? yeah, it's subjective. Both. Yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever we <laughs> it's want. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever we want, <sighs> and it's and it's it's scary. It's scary for drivers. Yeah, it is. Oh, that made me think of my daughter. I'm talking about like the inconsistency because we've been talking uh one day she likes chocolate chip cookies one day she doesn't like chocolate chip cookies and i'm like kennedy i'm having a really hard time figuring you out now you know yeah like you're making this mom i feel like this puppet you know yeah and you're making me like just not know like one day i think it's this great thing to bring you home chocolate chip cookies because you loved them and then it's like mom i don't want 
my chocolate chip yeah. cookies. I'm like, what? What is wrong? So let's go to kids. You have a daughter. I do. And she's 11. Yep. So single mom, yep. um, traveling. How yep. do you handle all that? So I have a nanny, um, which, you know, is a little different. I have a nanny. Yeah. Now, is your nanny Thank you. older my, or younger? No, actually, she's younger. She's a school teacher. I was okay. a school teacher. She's 28. Okay. We, my kids homeschool two days a week okay. also. So um, she's, you know, an eight to five nanny, not okay. a live-in. Yeah. So, so mine, is yeah. An, mine is an overnight Yours weekend. Yours is like a weekend. Yeah, yeah. overnight <laughs> weekend. And she's 24. And um, that, I felt, worked better for me because it was more of a big sister mm-hmm. than like the, kind of a the Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Um, and now that, sh- that that Sid is getting older, I'm starting to wonder how long I can stay on this route where there's, I, I'm going to need someone in there putting some discipline down. Like, you know, I yeah. was I was at Martinsville for Halloween, and so she did her own trick-or-treating plans, and I'm getting texts from another mother saying, we don't know where they are, and I'm like... And it's like stuff that wouldn't fly if you right. were if you were there. But like the nanny isn't real, you know. And yeah. so it's hard. They want to be their friend. That I just Carson just went to the world finals over at Charlotte with uh, this girl's in her uh, young twenties, and I called her up because first off I asked someone who knew her, you know, because I, I know her but I don't really know her. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, is this she's she pretty responsible? Blah blah blah. And they're like, yeah, you know, she's very responsible. I would just call her and say, remember that you're the adult in this situation yes. and you've got a 15 yeah. year old and remember yeah. that she's 15. And so that's what I did. I was like, you know, you're, I expect yeah. you to be responsible. I don't expect for her to be your friend and be doing whatever you're doing, you know, and that kind of thing. So she was like, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's totally. And, and I know that as she gets older, it's going to get harder because yeah, you're not you know, even there yet. At no, no. I mean, you're right on the cusp. Oh, and it already, like she got a text message from another girl the other day that I could not believe. So and do I, you follow text? Do you look, what, what's your well, plan? I have, with the phone? So I've got, the iPad, which I don't have with me, the iPad account is hers. Gotcha. So everything that is I messaged you comes see. into my iPad, and I can kind of keep. But that's all I can really keep an eye on. Yeah. And I, if it comes as a text, I'm SOL. Yeah. But you can sort of keep up, and she's st- you know most of it's fine. But she got a text message the other day that I was like, this is not okay. And I said, if I if I ever find out you send in text messages like this, I said you will lose all of your electronics for months. So what is your discipline strategy? There's not really hard too today. It's hard. hard. There's not a huge discipline. It's mostly (laughs) threats. Yeah. Like because because she doesn't do. She's still not old enough to be doing anything really bad. Like I've got a friend who's got a sophomore in high school. And um, the sophomore, all these kids showed up while she was out of town at the house with speakers and hookahs and stuff. And it's like, you're like, no way. Like, What'd you do? Like, you're like, oh my God, I would flip out. I'm not like, I don't have any of that going on yeah, right now. Yeah. Like she might forget to empty her lunchbox or something. Right. Like, She's not doing anything bad. When she gets doing bad stuff, I don't know. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you a funny Dylan Hart story. You probably saw Jaron 360 with the car and Kennedy. Uh-huh. Did you see that? Well, my I mean, my dad, he was a strict disciplinarian. And, I mean, I had the same trouble with Carson. And I don't say, I mean, it's not bad trouble, but it's just things like she'll tell me, you know, such and such is coming to get her, and then it's really another such and such. Mm-hmm. Or such and such and such and such are going out, and then it ends up being one such and such. I'm like, I wouldn't have let that happen if it was if I'd have known it was yeah, that. Yeah. You know? And then what's your consequence for it but my dad once and I was driving so I'm 16 or 17 I uh, went to college at 17 so I had to just be right in that time frame and there was this guy I liked in town and to go from the farm on three over to our house in the lake you know you can you can go a very direct highway three up to 150 and get down there 
Well, this guy lived in this little neighborhood, and I didn't have any clue why my dad even picked this way to go. Hmm. But I stopped. His parents were there, and his family was there and everything, and I just stopped in. We're sitting at the kitchen table, and there's this knock on the door. And his mom goes to the door, and he, she says, Kelly, I think you need to come to the door. And I was like, I mean, I had no idea. And it was my dad. Oh, my God. Imagine you're just sitting Can there, Dale Earnhardt. Can you imagine Dale Earnhardt standing at the door? Oh, my God. And he said, young lady, you need to get in your car and come home. And I told him that I was stopping at CVS to get a school oh. project supply. And... um. And God, I don't know why he went, he came this way. I just don't know why he went that way. That was not the way to go. <laughs> and he had to go a bunch of little back roads to this neighborhood. Oh my gosh. I, I had a job at Winn-Dixie. He made me quit. <sighs> I was grounded for like two months. Oh. Bad. And when Dale and I got in trouble when we were younger, so this is like 16, 17 things that happened to me. But when we were younger, we got all electronics, you know, the TV, everything was removed from the room. And I tell people today, like, if I had to take, like, all the things away from my kids that they loved, I mean, it's a problem for me on the storage end, you know? (laughs) Like, it's awful. You got a good Dale Jr. media interview story when either he, other than your Talladega one, either, have you you ever been at odds with Dale through the years? Uh Uh-uh. He used to be that, you know little bit irresponsible driver back in his young days yeah but i never had a problem with him <laughs> i had i had a great uh i went the other day when they did the nationwide paint scheme yeah and they surprised these fans and it, I, I don't know if you saw the video and it was great and there's this little boy and and his name was like aj and he you know he was just like the roundest little thing and he was wearing camo shorts and an oversized mountain dew shirt and he's like my name's AJ and he's so shy and then Dale walked in and the kid like Aww. the kid like literally lost his mind and like was like bear hugging him and he was screaming he's like I'm at Dale Jr. Like, <laughs> screaming and um I thought it was really cool the whole thing and I told Dale after I said um when I was in Alabama in 99 or maybe even early 2000 they did this thing with your dad and he rode around in a state trooper car and they pulled people over on the interstate and the cop would like get to the window and he would be like, well, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm gonna have to give you a ticket. And then your dad would come out of nowhere and give him tickets to the race. <laughs> and I was in the back seat for a portion of it. And your dad was so funny. He would like, <laughs> he, but he was telling the cop who to pull over. And he pulled over this, he picked this car with a 24 sticker, but it was like Mike Harmon. It wasn't (laughs) Jeff Gordon, it turns out. And then they had to stop for gas and your dad was pumping the gas and he's, and he's just there pumping the gas in the state trooper car and fans are freaking out. And so I just, it it had all kind of come full circle when I did that um, nationwide reveal with these fans who were getting a surprise the way that your dad had done for the tell for the tell and I always thought that was like it was a winner's circle and I always thought that that was such a cool winner's circle it was not like you know answering phones or radio call-ins like and I and 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 I was so new to it and I remember sitting in the back seat asking these questions and your dad turned around and goes you a reporter or something (laughs) why are you asking all these questions because you know he didn't listen if they said you have a reporter in the back seat right and I just it just was so cool to see this kind of thing go full circle that is cool I like those I know Hendrick has done a couple of those even at their shop that's where it was yeah yeah, for a couple like it may during the race weeks or something and Dale has gotten so good with those kinds of things. He, I mean, yeah. his responses and, and his interaction with people. I mean, he's just no longer 
I mean, he's just okay with it. Like yep. he, he doesn't worry yep. about being this, you know, big moniker star person. He yep. just, it's he really knows. cool. He's, he's it's you really know, cool. one of the biggest issues that we face with, as media with Dale is that he's so introspective and he's so honest and real. And it's like, if you're given a, a, a defined window of time that you can talk to him, you're like, well, that's only you two don't want him to run out, that, run that, over. That, that's only two questions <laughs> because he, you know, he, he has gotten so Gives good you a lot of perspective. and he, and he's so thoughtful. And, um, I remember there was a period from 08 to, you know, whenever he wasn't, you know, and he would do his media availability after practice and he'd come straight from the car and, you know, five or six of us who would do it every week, we'd have to tell the television cameras and everything. We'd say, don't ask him anything important right away because his head was still in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And the answers that you got reflected it. They were like, he wasn't even listening to you or thinking about it. And then by answer three or question three or four, he had shifted a gear and now you can ask him the important things because he's thinking and and you're getting the real it's so weird how we all you gotta i know i'm thinking like you got like 43 personalities you gotta keep up with and and how you you interact with all of them yeah yeah yeah. that's pretty good though we do this thing here this um personality assessment thing and you're like red blue green yellow and and the idea is that you know you learn how to interact with people so if i'm a high red which i am um (laughs) you know and i'm dealing with an indecisive yellow you know how how i need to work with them and they need to work with me and so that they don't take offense to anything i say or i don't get frustrated with them and same thing for you guys you're learning yeah you know you you have to learn all these personalities and then how you interact and deal with them so that you get the best outcome yep Yep. and you like if you've got like Bob Pockers knows because Bob will always ask the like ridiculously like tough question about something bad that they've done. And he knows don't ask, you know, five guys, don't ask Kurt Busch or Kyle Busch or Harvick. That, don't make that one of the first three, four yeah. questions because they'll shut it down. Yeah. And you don't ask Tony Stewart. Don't come out guns blazing to Tony Stewart <laughs> and be like, why'd you cause that wreck? Like, so you get, you just have to, it's oh, all just, a, yeah, it's all just a juggling thing. That's awesome. Yeah too much well the season finale is definitely going to be an interesting it one is and we'll be on the edge of our seat waiting and seeing and i am so glad that you joined me thank you for and having me yeah this was great hopefully we can have you on next year all right we can talk about some more stuff all right i'm in all right i'm in so it's time now for our tip of the week brought to you by wella professionals this is the last tip so pay attention we're going <laughs> to, if you need, we, we've got them all online if you want to learn about any other stuff, right, yes. Amanda? And I got to tell yes. you, I read this one five times in a row, and I'm still not sure I understand it. But. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to read it real slow then. All right. We're going to learn how to complete a double ponytail, and with the volume and extra length, you'll never look at a ponytail the same way. All right. So we're going to use the I Me Workable Finishing Spray. We're going to spray that all over our hair and help hold it in place. Then we're going to pull our hair above our ears into half up, half down, leaving the hair underneath your ears loose. Okay, so I get this. I fix my kids' hair like this sometimes. Just kind of pull the top half up and leave the back long. Use a clear elastic band, or if you want to use a band that matches your hair color, that works too. Um, You're going to pull the remaining hair into a pony right underneath the first one. So now we've got two ponytails going home with two different sections of hair going on there. Back comb the top ponytail near the elastic band using a comb to create fullness. So you're going to literally take the comb from the back and comb it that way is what we're thinking. And you're kind of poofing up. I guess, yeah, to yeah. create some volume. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's where I get lost because my hair is so thin. I'm like, there's no well, way Don't say I guess. Happen. We're supposed to be the professionals <laughs> here. Take that part out. <laughs> All right, so we're back combing the top ponytail near the elastic 
kind of front from the back of the ponytail towards the front of your hair, kind of combing that up to create some fullness. Um, if your frizz needs tame, then you're going to apply a small drop of the Ami Shape Shift Molding Gum. And uh, you're going to finish with the Ami Glam Mist for a beautiful light shine. All right, we're going to have to try this. I, I'm interested. See what happens. I yeah. just got to figure out how to do it. It's basically not <laughs> a video. It's basically, we're, I, well, we're we a listener show. We're not on TV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't we do need to try it. Maybe maybe we can add that content next year where we can give these tips and then we can have a video. That's what I would love yeah. to put up on our yeah. Facebook. Or and it something. can just yeah. be me and you trying it, giving it a whirl here. <laughs> 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 next up here at Junior Motorsports, we've got a beauty salon. All right. You can purchase these or any Wella Professionals product at any of the 782 Orta stores nationwide or purchase online at Orta.com. Thank you for joining us for the last Fastlane family of the year for 2015. And uh, we'll be looking for you next year. And in the meantime, if you need your Fastlane family fix, remember that these are all online and on iTunes and you can listen to them at any time. Fastlane Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care, multi-sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. 